So welcome to the vineyard. Um, I am Jeremy. If I haven't, if I haven't met everybody here, so I mean, I know you. Um, I've been here a little while, you know, kind of since the get-go. I kind of forgot it was our anniversary. Um, it's great. Um, cupcakes help. They help everybody because cupcakes are celebratory. This is what we do. Um, so I'm a little introverted, so again, I apologize if I haven't met you, but I, I know most of the faces in this room, so it's, it's kind of nice. Um, and also, it's a little, uh, I'm feeling a little pressure this morning, because Josh divulged to me that Leah wanted to do this one. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here like, ooh, high bars, guy. Uh, <laughs> is that what I should have done? Uh, thank, thank you. Quick, I got a pen. Quick, I can make them notes. All right, so uh, let's actually get into this. Um, so we're doing this sermon series on why, right? Um, and really kind of diving in, and it's an examination of what we do here at the Vineyard, right? It's the ministries we do, who we are, why, right? And the answer to those questions as we're trying to dive in is, is supposed to be the formation of how we do our ministry, right? If we can come in and um, ask the why question, be the, Josh mentioned in the first sermon of the series, be that child asking why and why over and over. So if, if you're a parent, you know, as you ask why and why, 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 the child's asking and you're just kind of sitting there, you're going, you know what? I, just because you kind of get to the end of it. Eventually, you get to that point where you're like, I, I don't know. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a, you know, atomic scientist doing fusion stuff. Why is the sun bright? Because it is, guys. That's what it is, right? Um, no. So, but also, um, I'll go kind of a step past what Josh said. Um, we should come to the end of ourselves and when we ask this why about our ministry, and we should be arriving at God, right? If, if God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, should be the answer of what we're doing and why um, in every single part of our ministry. But the step further that I'll go is, if we don't come to God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit in our whys, that means that ministry needs to go, or it needs to change, or something, Right? So that's the importance of this sermon series. We should have these, these sermons, as we do them, result in we do this because of Jesus. We do this because of God. And if we don't get to that answer, then we're left in this place where like, well, what, what are we doing with this ministry anyway? Like, this just needs to, it needs to go. So in the first week, yeah, Josh said, why do we preach? Leah had, why are we vineyard? And then Ethan followed up just last week with why we worship. And in each of these sermons, they kind of dive in, they took, they peel back the layers of the onion. They did arrive at like, hey, we do this because of the kingdom of God, because Jesus directed us to, or because of the influence that it has on the people to lead them to Jesus as with preaching. But this week... 
I'm teaching on why do we engage in foreign ministries? Or uh, why foreign missions? And I kind of like, well, you know, it's not really grammatically correct. Um, and a simple answer actually really is because uh, the Bible tells us to. Ethan in it says like, no, great, great. Yeah, let's, we're done. Let's go. With that, I'd like to welcome the worship team to come back up. Um. <laughs> Before I really get into that, though, and I'm going to kind of hype on the whole sermon series a little bit more, um, I, I think why lends itself to other questions. Um, and I think we need to start with what? Because even when you come with the child perspective of them asking why over and over, why is a tree tall? Well, first they had to see a tall tree. Like you don't get to asking a question of why without observing something, having something happen um, that leads you to the question of why. So, leadership excluded, what does foreign ministries look like in our church? That one. We support a family, the um, ministry... We are part of the Russian partnership. There we go. We kind of checked the boxes, right? So, yeah, we support a family in Tajikistan. They're the Bray family. Um, Dan and Jen and their daughter, Alia, are there. Um, but their oldest um, of Asia and Elias are here in the U.S. Cause, but they grew up in missions, as in Asia was two or three. Do you remember? Do you know? Something like that. I've heard, I know the story where Asia was very young when they started. Elias was born into missions. So this is a family that is lived their life in missions. They are tied to this church through relationship, through the people they know here. And we support them. Um, the other side, or the other thing we do, um, is the Russian partnership. And really, that is actually solely Josh and Leah. Um, the rest of our, our congregation doesn't really get involved in that. They, um, at this point, <laughs> I should say at this point, um, they, they run this whole organization. It's almost like um, almost a separate church. It's a conglomeration of churches, and they support other churches in Russia. Um, there are nine, yeah, there are nine vineyard churches in Russia they support, as well as one independent church that's sort of friend of the vineyard um, there in Russia. Um, and so it's a lot of responsibility on the Pavels because they have a whole lot of things to run with that. Um, I'm flying through my notes, guys. So how... Kind of answering that what question. Now we need to ask why. So what do we do? We support other missions, missionaries. We support other churches. Why, why do we do that? Right? We have to look at the Bible for this. I already said, like, hey, the Bible tells us to. Um, so we need to go ahead and make sure we do that. But really, there aren't many, 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 many verses, just very, very few verses that actually say, go do missions. Um, most of the things in the Bible kind of lead you to a narrative or a story that models that you should be doing this. But there isn't a, hey guys, you should go to another country and make sure that you preach the gospel there. 
And nothing actually literally says that except for like one big important one um, that don't, I'm looking at you guys because I'm like, don't think I forgot. <laughs> don't think I forgot. I know you guys probably know exactly what I'm saying, but uh, so with that being said, you know, there being very few scriptures to reference, missions are actually everywhere in the Bible. Um, they're like, first I'm going to say like, hey, there's this Old Testament narrative that we can look at with God's perspective, right? Genesis 1.1, God creates the heavens and the earth, right? God created all of this. His perspective is global, right? And then you step into Genesis 1.28. God blessed them. You know, this is where he's created humanity. Bless them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Again, he's got this global perspective, right? We're not focused here on the small things. God's focused on the big things. The entire plan comes together around the entire earth. In Genesis 12, when God is calling Abram, who later becomes Abraham, he will be a blessing to all the people through the earth, right? Uh, all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Right. So um, as you can see, I'm kind of like, I'm flying through Genesis here, right? Um, and when I say missions is everywhere in the Bible, I, I mean that there's so much here that I'm kind of having to summarize and fly through these things. Um, and I'm going to try and paint this picture through some summary, a lot of sort of references off to other places. I'm kind of counting on you guys to know some of these stories. And if you don't, that's perfectly fine. I'm happy to fill you in, you know, like we can talk later. I'm happy to talk about like what the narrative of scripture is as it goes through from Old Testament to New Testament. But I just want to throw a caveat out there that if you don't know these stories, it's fine. I'm making some quick throw off references as I kind of fly through this because there's a lot to cover. Um, so, but in that flying through things, you know, the rest of Genesis has a lot of stories about the development of the people of God, them become growing, becoming their own nation, and eventually, um, they lead into Exodus, where they're in Egypt, and they are captive. They are stuck, right? Egypt is a powerful nation at this point, right? In the, in the, in the area, they are the top dog, and they have their gods, right? And they are, since they are a powerful nation, they're sitting here going, yeah, I guess, check us out, guys. Our gods must be the real deal, Right? So when God comes along and says, no, let my people go through Moses, the whole story that goes with that, and the plagues that come are all about crushing Egypt in a way to show God's glory, right? In the entire story, there's this nugget. It's like, hey, but I have raised you up for this very purpose that I might show you my power, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So God is again saying like, look at these things. Look at me. I am global all the earth will know that I am God. So as I kind of keep skipping ahead here, fly through these things, there's Psalms that reference, and there's all kinds of Psalms that talk about making sure that all the earth sings God's praises. All peoples all over the world, all nations 
Um, I should have just listed like 10 examples because they're all over the place in the Psalms where it's talking about the very different, uh, the different um, Psalms themselves talking about God and how glorious he is. But through all these, through the beginning here, like in the stories that I've kind of listed so far, there's really not too much in what you would call like foreign missions, right? This is about stories that maintain the narrative that God has got a global perspective. And that we as a local church, following God, should have a global perspective. Uh, but the next one is um, what we call fun. <laughs> it's a... Um, forced foreign missions, uh, which is interesting. I don't think Daniel stepped into this going like, hey, I would love it if Babylon came over and take over Israel, because then I could go and do some missions over there. That's, that wasn't the plan here. But uh, so if you, you guys don't know the if you do know the story of Daniel or, or if you don't, um, basically Babylon takes over Israel, captures people, takes them back to, with them to their kingdom, right? Um, the king there goes ahead and selects some people, right? some Israelites, and says, you're going to be my servants in my courtroom because I want to show that I'm in charge here and you people serve me. Right. And <laughs> yeah, they, they, they didn't feel great about that. Um, but through the first several chapters of the book, it's all about how Daniel just being faithful earns the trust of the king. And he is given lots of responsibility. He has grown into these things. But then the remaining advisors to the king start to get jealous and threatened by Daniel. And they work with the king to kind of goad him into a trap for Daniel. Right? And everybody... Like a very common story is Daniel in the lion's den, where Daniel gets caught in this trap. He is thrown in the lion's den. And the expectation is, bye-bye, Daniel, you have become lunch. Or actually dinner, because it was overnight. Um, but what happens instead is the next morning, because the king trusts and loves Daniel at this point, he rushes over there to the lion's den himself. So he's there when they open it up and they see sees that Daniel's unharmed. And the result of that is that the king pulls him out, says, I've got my trusted, my, my loved Daniel back. And the king spreads the word. He spreads the word. The king wrote to all the nations and all the peoples in every language of the earth. And granted, this is saying every language of the earth and it's, all the places that Babylon knew. So I don't think he reached out to the Native Americans in North America, right? But he's basically saying like, hey, look, now we have this word being spread because of Daniel's faithfulness to God. In, an, in a foreign nation, God's glory gets shouted out by the king, spread everywhere. So the King Darius wrote to all the nations and all the peoples in every language of the earth. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed and his dominion will never end. So this is, this is now our first, or at least <laughs> as far as I know, I don't, I'm not 
I'm not a biblical scholar, so there may be other references here, but this is really like the first like foreign missions, right? Everything else has kind of been Israel's narrative um, and how I, I, foreign missions is I would call a model, right? Someone being faithful to God in another country leading to the glory of God being exposed in that way. So I'm, I'm still going quickly here because um, again, a lot of scripture to cover. And I don't even know how long, how long have I been here? I have the big clock. I don't know when I started. It's nine, nine years, nine years. So oh, man, are you serious? Wow. All right, got to keep going quickly then. So let, let's just jump ahead to uh, New Testament time. Um, in the Old Testament, you know, we got all these stories about the big things that God does that exposes his glory to the world, right? Largely, they're God actions. He is parting the Red Sea. He is sending plagues. He is rescuing his people from foreign nations. Yes, he does work with the people there, but they are largely God actions that lead to, the ex lead to these other nations, the other peoples in the world being shown God's glory, right? But when we step into the New Testament, we got Jesus is born. You know, God with us. And I'm going to summarize the gospels into he grows up. He begins teaching and reaching out to Israel. He's telling the kingdom of God is hand, at hand. Through the Gospels, Jesus provides us this model of how we should love one another and care for one another and grow with one another. But he also reminds us of God's global perspective. Every, I keep saying everybody, but I don't want to count that everybody knows every scripture, right? But John 3.16 is a very common one, right? For God so loved the world. He didn't say God so loved Israel. God so loved the Jews, God loves the world that he gave his only son. Jesus has been sent for the world. So God is, Jesus is now reminding us of the global perspective of God, reminding the Jews that it's not just about you guys. I'm sure there was a lot more layers in there because Jesus got some pretty awesome sermon there. Um, but this is a, a major thing. He says, like, he's, his words are chosen carefully, right? But then you've got the salvation of man through the cross, right? So clearly I'm skipping way ahead again. Um, and through that, you kind of land in this place where now we've got the most direct verse about foreign missions in the Bible. And it's Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is the one where we say, like, we're going out, Right? baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus is saying, I've shown you how. I've taught you everything you need to know. Now go and do likewise everywhere. Not in your local church. Not just in your local church, because local church is part of everywhere, right? Not just in your local church, but everywhere. Global perspective here. And the di disciples took him seriously, right? Um, there's a lot of 
mixed-ish stories about they don't know the full story of every disciple, right? They have some like, oh, they probably this happened to this guy. This probably obviously the the New Testament itself. Um, why am I losing my words here? But the New Testament itself describes the stories of several of the disciples, but not everybody is fully described to the where they died, how they died, what the different countries they hit. Not everybody's in there, right? Um, but the rest of the New Testament is almost all about the missions of the disciples. Um, and where it's not about their missions, it's about the result of their missions, right? Even in Revelation, when it's, and I, I didn't put these verses in the slides, but it talks about all nations coming to, 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 the, to Jesus, to the throne, in the end times, to praise God, right? So the result of all these missions is everybody has to go there. Everybody's going to be there, right? So the disciples understood, and we have to understand that this global perspective includes everybody, not just our local town. And I, and I keep, I don't want to say that like it's a negative thing, right? Like I keep saying not just, not just, right? The reality is, is everywhere includes here, right? And of those mixed, I uh, already said that, the mixed accounts, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but the most famous missionary that uh, is in, in the Bible is Paul, right? Um, wrote half our Bible, or half our New Testament, sorry, not half our Bible, or again, mixed accounts, but most likely was involved in the writing of half our New Testament. If I put all the asterisks and caveats on there, right? Um, uh, and his story starts where he is actually the Pharisee of Pharisees, and he's tearing down the church. He is originally called Saul. At some point through the scripture, I was like, when does he come, become Paul again? <laughs> I had to remind myself, and it just says, he also goes by this name, and then that's it. And it just kind of moves on from there. It wasn't some big, great ceremony of Saul. No, Paul, just, oh yeah, also. Um, but he's done such a good job of persecuting, arresting, and breaking up the church in Jerusalem that he's got to spread his net and go some other places. And he's on his way for some more persecuting in Damascus. And he's encountered God by God. And through, I'm just going to say there's a lot of, there's a series of events here where Paul is encountered by God. He's prayed for by the disciple or one of the disciples that have been created since Jesus left, um, Ananias. And he spends time with the disciples there in Damascus. He becomes this great missionary to the Gentiles from God. <laughs> that guy is awesome. Sorry, I'm a little distracted. And so, even in the New Testament here, the New Testament kind of turns into this model of the people going out, the people becoming missionaries, the disciples are out and hitting all different kinds of nations so that they can preach the good news of God. 
And the disciples really become all these models of what foreign missions look like. Right? So we have many models at this point, right? We have this like one, well, it's kind of said multiple times. The Go back one slide if you don't mind. The Great Commission I, is not just said in one place. It's repeated through um, Acts 2 and the end of Mark. I don't think it, it's not in Luke. I don't believe it's in John. But it's repeated multiple times. The point is it's basically the same story or the same words being told that we need to go out. Um, but through Paul's life as a missionary, and as he becomes this guy reaching out to the entire like, world as they know it, with the gospel good news and the global perspective that God is here for all of us, and he writes by all these letters and all these well, primarily letters that become um, many of our books of the New Testament. But he also has this part where he logics out this is why we missions. This is why this is important. And it's in Romans 10, 12 through 15. But there's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is the part next where he's putting down the logic of this is important and here's why we must do missions. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? So following that backwards, people need to be sent so that they can preach, so that the people can hear, so that they can call on the name of the Lord and believe in him. That is why we have to do this. So Jesus, in his, the Great Commission, before he goes up to heaven in his ascension, says, you need to go do this. And Paul gives us a very concise, and here's why. Right? So, in a summary of summary... I maybe was a little too direct in every time, but every time God does something big in the Old Testament scripture, it's to let the whole world know, know him or know his glory. In spite of this focus on Israel, God reminds us repeatedly that his goal is that everyone knows who he is. Over and over, we were reminded of the global perspective of God. But in the New Testament... God starts not, I would say, not having less action, but he starts relying on his people to be those missionaries to go out to do, to go out and share this glory of God, to let people know that you can be saved through the action of Jesus, right? God partners with his people with missionaries so that the whole world will know him and know his glory. And God wants to do this thing with us. The, if we can actually scroll back to the Matthew 28 slide, the last line is, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you always. So go and do this and I'm with you. I want to do this with you.
So um, I kind of was at this place when I hit this point that I was trying to, like I had scattered thoughts, I'm reading stuff online, I'm reading Bible verses, I'm all over the place, I'm kind of scattered. I'm like, ah, how do I kind of bring this home? Um, and in my uh, reading and researching and stuff, I came across, of course, N.T. Wright. Um, and he had this lecture where he titled The Early Christians and the Mission of God. And in this lecture, he kind of captures a lot of my random scattered thoughts. And it was like, oh, great. He's so eloquent. This is great. I can just read what he said. And uh, there's kind of, I put two excerpts in here. It's kind of broken up into three sections, so it's a little bit easier to read. But missions mean different things to different people. And if we're to be true to the gospel and to scripture, mission itself must be shaped biblically, which means eschatologically. And if we're going to have a mission-shaped church, we need to have an eschatology-shaped mission. Um, not quite ready for the next one. Let's back up. All good. So eschatology, if you don't know, is of, for lack of a better way of saying it, fancy word for end times theology. Right. So NT right here is saying that if you want to have a mission-shaped church, your church needs to have an end times focused mission, right? Eschatology-shaped mission, right? So in between these, these two excerpts, um, he actually talks about some common, what he would call um, incorrect eschatologies about the end times, what people believe that are, are common. I'm not going to go into them because I don't have time for all that. Um, but since it's referenced in the next section, I wanted to make sure to kind of like, hey, non sequitur, there's two, these two things he talks about for just a second here, but that's not the focus here. Um, so the next section here is that the biblical view over and against these two popular distortions is that is for new heavens and new earth joined together in a single whole. This is what the early Christians meant by new creation. To begin at the end, the final scene of the Bible is not one of saved souls going up to heaven, but of new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth. So the dwelling of God is with humans. And that was always the point. From Genesis 1 and 2 onwards, the purpose of creation was not to provide a moral training ground or examination center from which humans could, if they made the grade, ascend to a non-material heaven but to create a heaven plus earth by partite reality in, into which the creator would himself come and be home together with his human family. That's right. If I'm the call back to Leah's sermon, but the now and the not yet of the kingdom. Missions, I think, if we look at what N.T. Wright is saying here, with the goal being a heaven plus earth reality into which the creator would come home together with his human family. Missions is the pivot point that makes the now and not yet just now. There's no more not yet. God is calling to his people to make the not yet go away, to make his kingdom come. So God in, in, in 
N.T. Wright even references it in saying Genesis 1, 2 onwards. But God has this Edenic view of where humanity needs to be. And he's calling on us to participate in that. He's calling on us through missions, whether that's local missions or global. And I'm kind of stepping on Melissa's toes. I think she's going to do the local missions one. But whether it's local missions or global, God's calling on us to participate in making his kingdom here. And the entire arc of creation from Adam and Eve to Jesus culminates in Jesus's great commission, the great commission and his earth, his earth, his final earthly statements. And I say that because there's revelational statements that are attributed to Jesus. But before he ascends, he says this last thing, I've shown you how, now you go show everyone else to the very end of the earth. So if it's the culmination of everything we do, I want to flip Ethan's picture upside down. So here we have Ethan's picture. And worship is this thing that pours into the very first cup. And it flows downward from that cup into everything else. And my thought is that missions is the reverse. Everything flows down into this one cup because this is the focus that we need to do. Everything needs to outflow from there because we can't stop here. We have to go out. So, yeah, well, I mean, I know the, the analogy breaks down because if you flipped all those cups upside down, everything would just pour everywhere. Um, so I know the analogy doesn't work perfect, but it makes the point. Yes. There's some goodness in that. <laughs> He's going to turn on the side and <laughs> just. <laughs> so, uh, why foreign missions? We're back at this why. And it's because it's our God given role in the redemption of humanity. I can't say that hard enough. Can't say that with enough emphasis. God has given us this role to redeem humanity with Him. He wants to do it with us. It is our God given role to do this. Yes. As Leah just said, joining God in the reconciliation of all things. And every, every person on earth, every nation on earth, needs to have the same option that Adam and Eve had in the garden. They were given the option to choose relationship with God or to choose not. And that option is love in and of itself, right? Can't have, can't have love if everything's robotic, if, every, if there's no choice. That option is, here's God, here's the good news, do, do you choose to have that relationship with God or not? And we are given the role to go and do that. So there's one, um, one thing I like to do, and this is kind of as a closing thing. One thing I like to do every time I preach, and I sneak it in here at the end, is bring out some rap lyrics. <laughs> so I'm sneaking it in here at the end. Um, this is... My favorite rap group is Beautiful Eulogy. 
and this is their song called Exile Down And we are, we are in this world, not of it, not to be scared and to run from it. We shine a light in the darkness, and that's why he left us here. Calling out to all the exiles, the Lord will not forsake you. His kingdom can't be shaken. Hold strong, the end is near. We are the light of the world, so shine on. I don't have a beat. And Melissa's, yep, yep, I'm, I'm with you. I can't do it. But also, this is the chorus, so it's actually sung. It's not rapped anyway. No. It's just not happening, guys. So where I want to go from here is how do you get involved in missions, right? Um, you, not everybody in this room is destined to go to all over the world, right? That's not, I'm not saying that everybody needs to leave this room and go buy a plane ticket, right? Because the reality is, I think that in that picture of the cups, some people serve to flow into others. Some people serve to enable others to do the best job that they can. And the way that we support the Brays, I don't think I would be much help to Dan if I flew out to Tajikistan right now. He's going to be, well, for one, he's not even there. Uh, <laughs> he, he, in a very Pauline kind of way, he's like, hey, um, I'm, I'm on a missions trip from my missions trip somewhere else. So I can't, uh, I can't actually ask him to make a video here. Like, hey, give us your why. You know, you're a real missionary. Why do you do this? Give us your why. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not home. He's going to speak in July. You can get more why on foreign missions in July. What's that? Ah, uh, yeah, there we go. By accident. I rhymed. <laughs> so, so what, where do we go from there, right? So what I'm saying is, I don't think everybody here needs to be a missionary. I think we need to support our missionaries who are called to do that kind of work, right? If you are called to that work, if you are like itching to go somewhere, then we can be that church that sends you. We'll figure it out. Josh and Leah know a lot of things. They're smart people. I'm going to be like, hey, guys, you guys got this. Yes. Hey, buddy. So now I have to do this, guys. Come here, bud. <laughs> so and what I mean by that is um, in terms of like flowing into other people, you can be part of prayer teams. You can be support groups and that meet with foreign missionaries, um, like digitally or, or virtually, like calling on Dan and his family to be like, hey, we got your back. We're here for you. We pray for you. Do you need anything? That can be your role. It can be financial support. And the Braves themselves, um, are, are always, uh, I don't want to like overstate my hand here because I don't know exactly, but they can always use more support, right? They can use more financial support. That's something that we can do. Or 
you can help by uh, giving to the Russian partnership that Josh and Leah lead. They're working on things to try and get a meetup with the Russian partnership later in, oh, is it later this year? End of July, early August. So they need funds in order to enable like the pastors in Russia to, to be able to travel for people from here to travel to there. And so supporting that ministry, supporting that foreign missions component of where um, the Russian partnership is here to support those other churches in another foreign nation. And to tie in directly into foreign ministry. But for now, um, jumping into missions, if uh, jumping into ministry time, I should say. Yeah, buddy. Um, we can pray. Um, we can pray with you. If you are like, I'm like, I, I've never done a call for missionaries. Like, this is a weird spot for me. But if somebody is here going like itching in their seat, like I need to do something, we can enable a missionary from this church. We can help you. I would happily pray with you. Um, but like any other week, we also just, we can pray for you. We can pray for you about anything. We can pray for healing. We can come along beside you if you need that. <laughs>